0: Let's pray as we begin this morning. Lord, we just thank you for the work that you've done here already. We're not beginning, Lord. We began when we got out of bed this morning, Lord, realizing that your mercy is new every morning. Lord, we thank you that we could gather here in your name. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to do the work that only you can do. Father, we love you. We praise you. Lord, as we think and, and meditate upon The words of those songs that we've lifted up as an offering to you, Lord, we we want them to be our prayer. Lord, I pray for those that are heavy-hearted here this morning, those that are carrying burdens, Lord, those that are second-guessing themselves, those that are hearing lies from the enemy, condemnation, lies, Lord, that your voice would prevail, that your voice would elevate above all of that noise, God and that we could hear from you and you alone. Bless the church, Lord, around the world today as she gathers, especially our brothers and sisters, Lord, that gather in fear, Lord, gather in risk of life and liberty, well-being, Lord. We pray that you would bless the persecuted church this morning and those that lead her. Thank you for your love for the church, Lord. We pray that this congregation, Father, would make a difference in this Delaware Valley, Lord. Across the street, across town, and around the world, Lord, that we would make a difference because you move in and through these people, through us, Lord. Praise you. We look to you now, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you weren't here last week, as as always, when you meet, and during this during the summer, I know a lot of people on coming and going on vacations down the shore one weekend, back the next. Please know that we take all the messages within. You know, by Monday morning, today's message, if if you were away, you know, would be up on our website. You can download it. On your mobile devices, you could leave today with a copy of it if you want to give to somebody that you know is not here. So we encourage you to follow along as we're moving through the Word of God. We're in the middle of a three-part series here right now, and we started it last week. It's, it's called Hit the Road, Seeking God's Will, Understanding um, God's Will in Our Life. And it, it is something that hopefully we will help you. As you're unpacking the next step that God has for you, giving you confidence, helping you understand the great freedom and love that God has for you to make decisions, to make choices along the way, but understanding too that a sovereign God is available to guide you and direct you, and He is working His purposes out in you, through you, and He will not be thwarted, He will not be frustrated. Today's the second part of that series, and we're actually going to come back then in two weeks from today, and we'll finish it. Um, next week on Sunday morning, we have Ebo Elder will be here. If you have never heard Ebo, you're in for a treat. He's a gifted Bible teacher, just a, he's a former champion boxer. Um, he'll be here on Wednesday night also for Sizzling Summer, just two more weeks of Sizzling Summer, um, and then he'll, Ebo will be here also next Sunday to share, and then we'll come back and finish this series on August 2nd. As we start this morning, I wanted you to look in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Acts, chapter 16. because What we're going to talk about today is detours and delays along the way of this journey that we're on, this road trip called the Christian life. If you missed last week, we're painting this whole thing against the metaphor of a Christian of a a road trip, a literal road trip, and and how that metaphorically is kind of what this journey is as pilgrims for Christ, and how along the way, as we set out, oftentimes we have in mind where we're going and how we're going to get there, but then in the end, we look back and we realize that the course we've been, been on has been taking us down some different roads, we've missed some exits, we've run into some detours, we've been delayed, And all along, what I want you to see is God is moving through all of that. One of the great examples of that is found in Acts chapter 16. Paul, on his second missionary journey, scholars tell us, and here in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, we get some language that shows us very clearly that God is very active in directing Paul's life and his missionary team. It says in verse 6, as they passed through, this is Dr. Luke recording this for us, writing this for us, as they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian regions, having been, underline this, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, and they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. So Paul here is, is, is up in this area that we today would call Turkey, Asia Minor. And it's where these two great landmasses come together, Asia, really the African landmass through through the Middle East, and then and then the European landmass, and they all kind of coincide there. This is up, you know, the, the, the Aegean Sea separates this in a water pathway that goes up into the Black Sea, and in order to get from Asia Minor over to Europe, they would have to sail over there. But Paul's looking to go east. He's looking to go into Asia Minor in Asia, and it says very clearly here that the Holy Spirit prevented them from going. The Holy Spirit forbade them. We don't know why. We don't know what that means. I don't know if he uh, that, I, my mind just wonders, you know, could it have been a ship perhaps that they hoped to get on? Could it have been that they ran out of money? Well, we were going to go to Disney World, but the Holy Spirit has forbidden it. <laughs> you know, I don't know, what it, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was armed conflict. Maybe it was conflict. Maybe people that he was going to go with abandoned him. He does not specifically say what it was, but clearly the Holy Spirit, he knew, was at work. He goes on, they tried to go a different route. In other words, okay, let's, we couldn't go that way, let's go this way. And then he says the Spirit again, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, verse 8, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a certain man of Macedonia, now this is to, this is to Europe, this is to the west, a certain man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go. I love that language there. Underline that. When we had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go. Now, last week we talked about when we're trying to play out what God would want us to do next. You know, we, we, we gave a lot of steps of how to play that out. Seek wise counsel. Study. Pray. Pray meditate wait there is a waiting but when the Holy Spirit gives you a vision go (laughs) when the Holy Spirit gives you a vision when the Holy Spirit when there is a vision and it's clear that there's an opportunity and God is in it and I don't get a lot of visions especially this specific this clearly when this happens it's time to move I love Brother Jim Maxim, has uh, our, the head of our prayer ministry, has written a book called Face to Face with God. And if you haven't read that, I encourage you to read that. you know and, and one of the things that Jim shares in there is these very personal stories of how God has used circumstances in his life to clearly share the gospel. And sometimes that comes, you know, when I think the Holy Spirit is telling us to go, the times that we need to move, is when... You know, an opportunity presents itself that you need to put yourself at risk. Perhaps you're at work in a break room, or perhaps you're on a business trip with an associate, and there's these quiet opportunities where, you know, you have witnessed to this person, you've tried to live a life of testimony, you have shared the gospel, you've shared the hope in, in ways other than with your words, perhaps— but now all of a sudden through something that they share they open a door and they're just searching. You know they're searching and you know it's your opportunity to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And your palms get sweaty and your heart starts to race and you get tunnel vision. And you think, "No, I can't do it. I can't. It's not permitted. I'll get in trouble." I'm too afraid I'll lose my friend, whatever I'll lose my job, I'll lose my friendship, whatever it is. Listen, that is as clear a vision as I often get. It means go. Immediately. Before the break is over, before the business trip is over, before the elevator door opens, before the cab ride ends. Sometimes those opportunities are very short and sometimes we need to move immediately. It says we immediately sought to go into Macedonia concluding that God had called us to speak the gospel to them. Therefore, putting out to sea from Troas, verse 11, we ran a straight course to Samothrace. Now, this is, you know, I think the language there is Paul's telling us, we were unhindered. The the ship was in port, the wind was in our favor, and we went through. And if you look at that and account that, I've seen scholars that have kind of analyzed this journey based on Luke's account of it. And they said, yeah, that was a pretty quick trip that they made there, much quicker than the average sailor would have been able to do that. In other words, God was in their favor. And they went down through the following day to uh, uh, rather, and uh, from there to to Philippi. And there at Philippi, Paul meets a group of women praying down by the river. There's not even a synagogue there, a group of, of Jewish women praying by a river they sought to worship there and the church of philippi is planted and the gospel begins to move through europe an amazing story all started because god put a roadblock in paul's path and this morning as we look at this the just the causes of these roadblocks i want to i just want to present 5 of them to you we're going to look at uh, bad directions sometimes we're just simply Uh, following bad directions. I know I've gotten people in trouble that way, given them bad directions, and I've followed some bad directions, and people end up lost and delayed. Oftentimes, we just simply don't obey signs along the way. Willful disobedience. We'll talk about that. Sometimes we miss the exit, maybe because we're not paying attention, or we are more concerned about our own agenda. Uh, We need to learn to trust our navigator. And then lastly, there are times when we just, just as Paul describes here, we flat out just hit a roadblock. And we'll look at each of these five as we move through. You know, in my own life here, ministering on the East Coast, it it all started when um, God detoured the path that Kristen and I were on. You know, I had gotten saved in, in, in San Diego, grew up in the East Coast, but got saved in San Diego, met my wife in San Diego. She was a California girl. She had California blood in her, and I was starting to like California. I liked the weather. I liked, I liked my job. I liked our church, and I liked everything that was going on in our lives. And in 1989, through a circumstance at work and the place I was working literally being shut down, and, and now, now all this, you know, pre- newborn baby in the house, no job. Now all of a sudden, it didn't matter how nice California was, having a paycheck seemed better. And there happened to be one back on the East Coast. <laughs> wasn't my plan, wasn't my desire, wasn't what I would have chose, wasn't what I even would have believed. I would have thought the rest of our lives would have been spent in California. And here we are, and God has moved So as we look here at this first example of of what causes these detours and delays, let's look at receiving bad directions. Sometimes this can be unwise counsel or ungodly counsel, and that's why I stress that. This is kind of the antithesis of what we talked about last week. You know, we need to make sure that when we're seeking direction, it's godly direction. It's, It's inspired direction. Poor teaching. What is the source of the information that I'm taking in? Leadership. What's the motivation? What is what? What is the the agenda of the leaders that I'm following? Lack of discipline in my own life, or perhaps lack of discipleship, can oftentimes get somebody off track. You know, Pastor Bob and I were were involved in a very bad leadership situation at church one time, and involved a church picnic. And between the two of us, we had put out bad literal driving directions to get to a swim club over in new jersey where we were going to have a baptism and a picnic and i had you know i think i wrote the directions and bob checked them or bob wrote them and i checked them because this is a difficult place to get to it's one of those typical jersey places where the roads were made like three hundred years ago because the indians went that way and then they paved over top of them and uh, you come to intersections where there might be five roads coming together and that's fine, you know, make a right, but which road did you come into that intersection on? So we're at, this, we're at this lake swim club waiting for people to show up for a Labor Day picnic and baptism, and people aren't showing up, and then finally some guy comes in, and he's exhausted and frantic, and he's like, who wrote those directions? And I'm like, uh-oh. So we get in the car, we drive down to this five-point intersection just up from where that that swim club was, and some leader, I forget who it was, but he had taken authority, man. He had double-parked his car, gotten out in the intersection, and he's looking for Calvary Chapel people, saying, no, no, don't follow those directions. Go this way, go this way. And sometimes, you know, just a simple misleading can send people on the wrong path. Listen, there's nothing special about the Holy Spirit that I listen to or Pastor Bob listens to, it's the same one that you have access to. There's one God and one mediator between God and man, and you need to be in tune with him just as we are. And when something doesn't line up, you need to say, hey, I, you know what you said the other day? I want to talk to you about that. Show me how that aligns with this. Show me how Scripture backs that up. If, there, if there's questions, we need to all be in tune. Biblically, I look at Joshua, in Joshua chapter 7, the story of the nation of Israel moving from the wilderness finally into the promised land. They've crossed over the River Jordan, and Joshua's leading them. He's taken over for Moses. You know that the first victory there in the the other side of the Jordan was Jericho, an amazing story of God's faithfulness, testimony to him built a lot of courage and faith in Joshua in the nation of Israel as God supernaturally gave them that city. And then in the next chapter, Joshua was going to go take Ai. God never asked him to take Ai, never gave him direction to take Ai. He sent up a couple spies, and they come back and they say, A.I. will fall easily. It's nothing compared to Jericho. They're not even paying attention up there. We don't even need to send everybody. You could leave half the army at home. Send them on leave. We got this. Joshua follows that advice. He's not seeking God's counsel. And also we find out that there's also sin in the camp. There was also spoils that had been taken from Jericho that weren't supposed to be taken and that is causing dissension. There's going to be consequences for that. And this is and Joshua's oblivious to all this. And he follows bad, unwise counsel. And they go up to Ai and they suffer a terrible defeat. We need to make sure that we follow good leadership, that we are tuned into the Holy Spirit, that he is directing us. The second reason that we run into detours and delays or causes of detours and delays is just... We don't obey signs along the way. If you're not close enough to see this little graphic up on the screen, here's a little girl, and she's heading down the beach, and she's got her dog on a leash, and she's obviously heading to go swimming. She's got her bicycle with her, and the sign that she's confronting says, No dogs, no bicycles, and no swimming. (laughs) And oftentimes, that's what we run up against. And we have this thing called free will. And it allows us to do something called willful disobedience. We start to lean on our own confidence or we simply just don't like the instructions that we've been given and we decide to go a different route. And listen, not being aware of the instructions is not, it's not an excuse. Ignorance is not an excuse Kristen and I had just gotten married, and and I was living on the base up until we got married. And then when we got married, I moved into the apartment that she had in a little town called La Mesa up above San Diego. And the first day I was heading to work from that apartment, I pull out, I got got in my truck, drove out the street, and I got onto an entry, an exit or an entrance onto the freeway. And it's kind of like over here in the Blue Route up around media where at rush hour they have those metering lights you know that spread the traffic out to kinda keep things moving in theory so I pull up and there's a there's a red light and there's a car in front of me and I'm waiting for the traffic to move and I look in the back and there's a highway patrolman I clearly see him I see that he sees me and the car in front of me the light turns green the car in front of me goes and I go and the highway patrolman went and he turned his lights on and pulled me over And he comes up and he says, "Uh, I'm going to guess that you didn't see that sign below that red light that says one car per green light. And I'm going to say, no, sir, I did not see that sign. He said, I thought so, because I know that you saw me. And I'm like, man, this guy, there's no way he's going to run that red light with me sitting right behind him. I said, no, sir, I would never dream of it. He goes, that's what I thought. He goes, you didn't know that was there, did you? I go, no, I didn't. He goes, yeah, that's what I thought. He goes, wait here, I've got to write you a ticket. <laughs> Ignorance was no excuse. And sometimes we, we just don't read the Word of God enough. We're not meditating upon the Word of God enough to understand that there are signs that we need to obey. Or we think, oh, those signs apply to everybody else. I was coming out of the Acme parking lot just last night and it was late at night and and there was one of those stop signs there, which when they're on private property, I kind of have this thing where I think that's more of a suggestion. And my wife says, you're just going to blow through that stop sign. And I said, honey, that's more of a suggestion. But that's not true. That sign's there for a purpose. And when we blow through them, there can be consequences. All too often as a as a over twenty-one years as a pastor, this is so vividly played out where I have had young couples come into my office, sometimes in high school, sometimes young adults, a young man, a young woman, and their life has been turned upside down. Because the woman is pregnant. They're not married, and they're facing The consequence, not the judgment, not the punishment, the consequence of disobeying God's road signs, God's law, God's moral revealed will. And their life is turned upside down. This is a significant detour. This detour will impact them the rest of their life, no matter what decision they make from this point forward. This is a lifelong impact. But at the same time, I, it's a great illustration because I, I try to get them. Like, right away, they talk about judgment. Right away, they talk about punishment. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know any time when the God of the universe miraculously creates life that that can be considered judgment or punishment. This is, this is evidence of God's grace. Now, it's certainly a consequence of your decisions, and it's going to impact you the rest of your life. But let's not look at it as punishment. Punishment. Our judgment. Let's look at it as a a God that's gracious and merciful. And what's the next step now? How will we abide in that grace and mercy? Obviously, the biblical example of this, not obeying signs along the way, is King David and his sin with Bathsheba. Not only is this a detour in David's life, not only is it a delay, but it's a complete rerouting of a kingdom it's a complete devastation of multiple families. But yet we look at David, the, 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 the one after God's own heart, the one who had a heart after God's heart. We talk about the grace in his life. We see the grace as he's an heir or, or in the lineage of Jesus Christ, how Christ comes through his lineage, comes through this sinful act even there. And I can't figure all that out. That doesn't give us permission to head off willfully and disobediently. But it's a reminder that even in the spite of our bad decisions, horrible decisions, train wreck type decisions, God is at work to carry out his ultimate will. But listen, I I can only dream what David's kingdom, what David's life, what David's legacy would have been if he had not sinned with Bathsheba. Was there something greater for him? I believe there was. Was there something more for him? I believe there was. But yes, even in the midst of it, God's purpose is not frustrated. And he uses it for his glory. The third reason or cause for detour and delay is missing the exit. Oftentimes this happens when we're just not paying attention. Or... I take the wrong exit. You know, this sign here says, next gas, 111 miles. That's a sign you need to pay attention to. That's an exit if you're running low or you're driving a motorcycle, you do not want to miss that exit. Because you're not going to make it back without consequences. Oftentimes, this is because we're more concerned about our agenda than God's agenda. I look at a 3 year period of time in my life when I when I made a decision, a free will decision and thought I was making a good decision, but looking back on it if I could I, I don't know, when I look at that decision today, all I know is that decision resulted in 3 years of three of the most miserable years of my life. And it all had to do with taking a job. This is a good job. Lots of responsibility, lots of potential for growth, big paycheck, nice title. The person that was, that was trying to hire me was going bending over backwards to try to get me into the position. All the things lining up saying, man, this is, this is, this is a great, great opportunity. And when I look back on it, I wonder if I didn't take that job based more on my ego than on my prayer life. In other words, I think I spent more more time thinking about how nice that paycheck would be, how nice that title would be, how nice it would be for all those people to look up to me as the man and less time wondering, God, what do you want from me? That was a free will decision. Either way, I, I, I stand before you and I would hesitate to say that I would never make that decision now. But I know that even in making that decision, it's made me a better man to know that I wouldn't have made that decision, so then I'd have to make that decision. Does that make any sense? (laughs) But here's what it taught me, is that I need to be real careful of my ego. I've seen Bob share this with us before. I think I've used it in small groups before. I think we both heard it from the same source originally. Ego, just use that as an acronym, edging God out. Anytime you start to make decisions where ego's starting to play into it, how good will this make me feel? How good will this make me look? How good will this satisfy my material flesh yearnings? Be careful. Because it's awful easy with our ego to just push God out of the way and we take an exit that we want instead of one that God was heading us for. I think that Peter... In Matthew chapter 17, at this, you know, the Mount, this is the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember that story? Peter goes up there with James and John. Jesus is transformed into this heavenly physical presence. and then Moses and Elijah appear there in the physical, and Peter's like, "Wow. Lord, this is so good for us to be here." Lord, I'm going to make a, ta- I'll build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. We'll just spend the rest of our lives right here. And then this voice from heaven cries down, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. My paraphrase Peter, shut your mouth and pay attention to what's going on here. This isn't about you. We don't hear anything from James and John there. I don't know if they were too frightened or if they were wise enough, whatever, but they're quiet during that whole thing. But Peter, we know, the more we learn about him, the more he kind of had a little bit of ego problem, got him in trouble sometimes, ends up on some detours and delays. We need to be careful about the exit. Fourth cause of detours and delays is simply flat out just not trusting our navigator. Sometimes I think this comes from lack of faith, and you could put in there slash fear. Fear that our navigator is leading us down a wrong path, or perhaps fear that our navigator is taking us down a more difficult road is often the case. I'll take, Lord, what about this path over here looks wide and paved and easy. That path looks hard, Lord. Let's go down this path. Poor communication got terribly lost and separated from a group one time that I was backpacking with because there was poor communication about where we were going to meet. Sometimes that poor communication just simply is the fact that this book is covered with dust. The poor communication means I've never, I haven't tuned in recently. I haven't, I haven't tuned in diligently Poor communication means I'm simply not listening. Or I've, I've just left this book on the shelf and I'm following some other map. I think of Caleb and Joshua, the story of spying out the land in Numbers chapters 13 and 14. If you haven't read that story in a while, go home sometime this week and, and, and recap that story. The nation of Israel has come out under Moses' leadership, come out of Egypt and the Exodus, and they're in the wilderness, and now they're just on the verge of crossing over into the promised land, the land that God had prepared for them. They sent out 12 spies, one from each of the tribe, to spy out that land, and they come back and they give a report. And 10 of the 12 said, we cannot go into that land. It is too dangerous. The enemy is too formidable. They will destroy us. It's a mistake. Take us back to Egypt. <laughs> but Caleb and Joshua saw that the land was ripe, flowed with water and you could grow cattle and you could grow crops. It, the Bible says it flowed with milk and honey. One cluster of grapes, the Bible says, they had to carry out with two men carrying a cl- one cluster of grapes on a stick. That's how fruitful this land was. And Caleb and Joshua said, Yeah, there's 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 giants, yeah, there's literally giants there. But our God is faithful, we can overcome. But they listened to the ten instead of the two. Whenever I read that story and I think about it, and that resulted in forty a forty year delay, forty year detour. Forty years of just spinning around in circles out in a desert when there was land that was rich to raise cattle and crops and flowing with water. Whenever I read that story, I think, how much do we miss out on because we simply turn around too soon? My wife, Kristen, really... Um, hesitates to go hiking or canoeing or bicycling with me, <laughs> because whenever she gets tired or, or she's thinking it's about time we turn around or this journey should be coming to an end, she knows that I have a, a saying and she we use it often. It's kind of an inside joke. Um, I say, honey, just up around the next bend. Just up around the next bend. One time we were canoeing down the Sacramento River, or the American River in Sacramento, and I had greatly misjudged the distance between our put-in point and our take-out point because I always forget that rivers go like this. And about four hours into what I thought was a two-hour trip, she's like, when are we going to take out? And I said, just up around the next bend, honey. And then I was beginning to wonder if I missed it. But sometimes I think, how much do we miss because we take out too soon? How much do we miss because we turn around too soon? If God's saying push on, if God's saying take it, take that job, take that move, take that opportunity, take that risk, are we willing to push through to completion with him or do we turn around too soon? The final cause of detours and delays are those simple, I don't know how other to describe them, but just roadblocks. Literal, you're going down a path and boom, you can go no further. That trip that I told you about last week trying to get to California, when I ended up in California, it was already November and I learned the hard way that come November, there's only a few roads that'll take you up over the Sierra Nevada mountains. I went down three or four different roads, got up to around eight, 9,000 feet, and had to turn around because the road was closed for the winter. They just don't even try to keep them open because of avalanches and snow. In our spiritual life, this is those loss of jobs. This is those chronic illnesses or acute illnesses or untimely deaths that come into those that we love so much our families, our friends. Injury, I talking to a man after the first service, praying with him who just took a new job that thought it would be the job that would set him up for the next several years and several weeks into that job injured, wondering if he can even go back to work now. What is God doing when those roads are blocked? I think of Paul's shipwreck in Acts chapter 27. You know, The life of Paul and his journey through the book of Acts is just such a beautiful illustration of how God sovereignly moves and directs. But without that shipwreck, without God playing out his sovereign will, giving Paul a revealed will, giving him a free will, and just playing that whole thing out, without that event, which looks like a catastrophe, which looks like a major roadblock, but because of it, the gospel comes to an island, comes to a people and spreads once more. God's purpose will not be frustrated. So what's the outcome of these roadblocks, these detours, these delays? I see five things that it does. I see this in my life when I've experienced these loss of jobs, these cross country moves that I didn't want to make, illness and death that's come into circles of my life and things that have changed. But I see this throughout the word of God. Every single one of the men and women that we can study and where you see these detours and delays in their lives, the f- the other side of it if we're willing to bend a knee and say God Teach me what you're showing me. Help me to learn it, Lord. Help me to understand it. Number one is increased faith. It grows our faith. When we see that God's plan is not going to be thwarted, when we get to the other side of a a detour that we think is devastating and we realize, you know what, God was there. God was in it. God was through it. It teaches us perseverance, how to push on in the midst of, of crisis, how to push on in the midst of difficulty. I think of the churches in the east. I think of the churches over in Syria, in Egypt, in the Sudan, in Iran, and I think of how they persevere through the situation, the hardship that they have the churches that established the work here in North America. And I wonder, generationally, if we're not heading into a time of testing that needs to increase our perseverance as a church. Wisdom that comes from it. The humility, kind of that pushing that ego out to the side and, and, and looking at the humility that takes its place. And then the furnace that refines us, that burns out the impurities in our life and leaves behind that pure gold, that pure silver as a result of the fire. And if you add all those things up, it changes lives. I think what it does is it produces the abundant life that Christ came to give us. The thief comes to rob, steal and, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came to give you life. And to give you not just life, but to give you life more abundantly. What does that mean? I don't exactly know. But I think that these factors that come from the detours and delays that come on our journey build that abundance. Abundance. I think a person with increased faith, with increased perseverance, wisdom, humility, purity, that to me starts to look like an abundant life, one that can bring glory to Christ even in the midst of the darkest, deepest valley. I'm going to ask the worship team to come out and close us in song. You know, and I thought that Pastor John did a great job of just setting the tone this morning as we headed into worship and the message. That idea that God's love, that you can't get out of his reach. You know, that, that, that passage in Romans 8 that, that tells us Paul struggles for language even to describe how you, you can't be separated from God's love. No matter the circumstance, no matter the circumstance inside you, In other words, the sin in your life, the failures in your life, the bad mistakes in your life, or the circumstance outside you. No matter what the circumstance, you cannot be separated from God's love. Would you stand this morning and celebrate that fact as we close in song? And afterwards, if you need prayer, would you come forward? We would love to pray with you. If you're going through one of these roadblocks right now, a detour trying to figure it out, We'll bring you before the throne of grace in prayer and ask for wisdom that God would reveal. Pastor John.